0: Grant, O Lord, that thy word only may be spoken, and thy word only may be received. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. George and Michael had known each other from birth. They were in the same kindergarten. They were in Cub Scouts together. They ran and played in the creeks and in the woods around their homes. George and Michael were best friends. As they grew up, they did more and more together. They played football in high school, one a linebacker and the other a safety. George and Michael went out on their first date together, flipping a coin to see who would drive as they double-dated to their high school dance. George lost when George and Michael graduated, they decided to go to the same university, although they roomed with different people, deciding they wanted to meet new friends. And besides, they had heard that when friends room together, they usually grow apart or fight. On summer weekends, the two young men took road trips together and went to all sorts of exotic and wonderful places searching for adventure. After graduating from university, George and Michael both married girls they had fallen in love with at school. They were each other's best men. Both moved back home. Both took good jobs and started families. Their wives became good friends and their children played together. When they reached their 30th year, George and Michael pledged to run a marathon. And so they spent the better part of a year training The two were up every morning at 4.30, running the streets of their hometown. And as with most things this pair set their minds to, the goal was accomplished. They finished their first marathon in a respectable time and crossed the finish line together. As time went on, they grew more comfortable financially. They began to take family trips together. First, the Bahamas, then skiing in Vail. One winter, they took the family's Christmas shopping in New York. They checked out a few of the Broadway shows. For both George and Michael, life was good. They were living life to the fullest, or so they thought. Early one morning, something unthinkable happened. As they were making their morning run, which had been a ritual for some 15 years, George fumbled to a stop, clutched his chest, fell limp, on the side of the road. Michael stood over George in disbelief. What are you doing? He yelled. George, quit messing around and get up. George was not messing around. George was dead. He suffered a major heart attack and breathed his last. He was 45 years old. Michael went with George's wife to help make her funeral arrangements and make sure all the loose ends were tied up. Michael himself went to the funeral home to view the body, the body of his best friend, the 45 years, to go look at him and make sure he looked happy and natural and presentable, looked alive to all those who would come by the wake and pay their last respects. Now, a very strange and odd thing happened to Michael as he gazed upon George. Michael, for the first time in his life, realized he was mortal, realized that he would die. That truth hit him hard and fast and true, that it could have just as easily been him. Michael found the chair and slumped in the corner of the parlor for several minutes, too weak to stand, trembling and crushed by the thought of his own mortality. Now, Michael had somewhere in the back of his mind always figured that one day when he was old, he would die just like everybody else does. But that worry was a lifetime away. He never before dreamed that he could die at such a young and vibrant age. Michael did a strange thing faced with this reality of death. From that point, staring into the casket of his best friend, he resolved that he would beat death. That he would battle it to the bitter, bitter end. He committed to going to the health club every day for hours on end. He radically changed his diet. He ate fresh fruits and vegetables and fish and took dietary supplements and vitamins. He consumed himself with cheating death. Hours and weekends. He neglected his family and friends. He was going to live to be a hundred no matter what it took, no matter what it cost no matter what or who got in his way. He was a man obsessed. But still, no matter how hard and how devoted he was to beating death, thoughts of dying consumed him. He could not get out of his head the image of his friend George lying in state in the funeral home. He was plagued by thoughts of death. And then plagued with the bigger question... Why do we die? What happens when we die? So for the first time since Michael was a child, he became very interested in religion, thinking it might hold the answer. So he started going to church on a regular basis and drug his family with him. He made an appointment with the priest. He bought books and read essays that addressed the question of death. Now upon meeting with the priest, the priest noticed how distraught poor Michael was and how he was at the point of giving up and giving in altogether. He suggested Michael take a step back, make a spiritual retreat, and he pointed him to a nearby monastery. And so desperate, frayed at the edges, confused and scared, on the verge of a mental breakdown, Michael took a week off from work and traveled to the monastery. When Michael arrived, he was shown his cell and taken to the chapel for evening prayer. And afterward, at dinner, he was introduced to his appointed spiritual director. The spiritual director Michael was appointed did not make him comfortable at all. The spiritual director was a monk who was ancient of days. He was weathered and wrinkled, bald and barefoot, trembling and robed in a threadbare habit. Obviously, not long for this world. Michael was very uncomfortable knowing he was going to have to ask him all about death. He, a young man, was going to ask an old man, an ancient man near the point of death to talk about the very thing that was surely about to come upon him. But Michael gathered his courage and told him of his woes and of his life. He told him of his obsession with death and how his survey of religion didn't seem to answer his questions in a way that satisfied him. The old monk sat back and thought for a minute after hearing the woes of the young man. The old monk then pulled from his habit an old and tattered Bible. He turned to St. Paul's letter to the church in Rome, turned to the eighth chapter to the sixth verse, and he read, set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. The old monk then instructed the young man to go to his cell and for two days do nothing but pray and think about that verse from the blessed apostle. To set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. The young man wrestled with sleep at night, and he wrestled with the verse for the two days. What can it mean, he thought, to set the mind on the flesh is death? It means nothing. He became angry and frustrated. He could not for the life of him figure out what the words of the apostle meant. And so he gave up and went back to see the monk earlier than he was supposed to. He told the old man of his struggles and his frustrations and his anger. He told him how the words meant nothing to him. The man took a deep breath and let out a sigh. Finally, the monk spoke You are asking the wrong question of God. What do you mean? asked the young man, frustrated. I mean this the question you ask is the wrong one. Jesus did not come to this earth to give us the answer to why we die. That was answered long ago. Jesus came to the earth that we may have life and have it fully. Jesus came to the earth for the life of the world. The monk continued, Death for the Christian is not an end in and of itself. Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. Jesus himself rose from the dead. But resurrections only point to something greater. They point to this. We must no longer worry about death. We must worry with living life to the fullest. And in living life to the fullest, we will live forever. In that, we will overcome death. You must learn from the example of Jesus. You must first learn faith. You must learn to love completely and unselfishly. You must learn to love God and your neighbor. You must learn to give of yourself to others. You must learn the value of sacrifice and suffering to God and for the good of others. You must learn to forgive. That is living fully. If you have spent too much time trying to figure out how not to die, you need to now figure out how to live. How to live to God and live for others. In that, Michael, you will find the peace and the joy you seek. Michael monk continued, in the verse I gave you, Paul warns that if you are consumed with cheating death and the answer to the question of what happens when we die, that is death in itself. It's a spiritual death, an eternal death. But on the other hand, if you concentrate your time and your efforts on living in the Spirit of God, of seeing Jesus Christ in everything and everyone around you, if you work to love others and give of yourself... You will have life, and you will have life in abundance. You will have life with God forever. You will have true joy and true peace. To set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. And so the week ended. Michael ventured back into the world. He still ate well and exercised and worried about his health. But for the first time in his life, he dedicated time to his family each and every day. For the first time in his life, he set aside time to give to others, to help the poor and the downcast. For the first time in his life, he looked to the church, not for answers to the questions of death, not as a place where he received comfort, but as a place where he gave of himself to God and to the community. And for the first time in his life, Michael had joy and peace. For the first time in his life, Michael began to learn how to live. Beloved in the Lord Jesus Christ, set your minds not on the flesh, but on the spirit. Let us together learn to have life and have it fully, Let us learn to love God and to love our neighbor. Let us learn how to live. And in living a life to God, we will know how to die. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.